Welcome to CBO Speaks, the official podcast of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission for this podcast is to ask chief business officers to reflect on their careers, share personal examples of the ways they have navigated challenging situations, and offer some lessons that they've learned from their experience as a CBO. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm excited to be joined today by Katen Gandhi, Executive Vice President of Finance and Operations and CFO at Sussex County Community College. Welcome, Katen. Thank you, Megan, and welcome to everyone on this podcast. Well, Katen, we've all learned a lot about flexibility so far in 2020. I wonder if you could share with our listeners a thought about what you might do if you could go back to this time last year and teach yourself one thing, what that thing would be? Sure. So uh, one of the things that um, we all faced a big change this year, as you guys know, is COVID-19. This pandemic has disrupted everything we do on campus for our students, for our administrators. One of the things that uh, looking back, um, I know we just converted our bookstore to online uh, about 18 months ago. So having that done is great uh, for our students. We were prepared. Uh, we were not preparing for pandemic, but we were doing it mainly because students' behavior was going towards online purchasing. We saw close to 45% of our students buying things online. But beyond that, um, there were other areas today that we are finding where our vendors want to be paid electronically. Uh, our uh, purchasing bids is still manual. Uh, our purchasing directors have to go on campus to accept the bids, even though campus is closed. So it creates a lot of disruption. So there are a lot of things that um, we could have uh, prepared to just from efficiency perspective. Because what this has taught us uh, that Things can be done online. Some of the things make a lot of sense to be done electronically, like paying the vendors electronically, accepting bids online. Um, so if we had done those type of things you know, a little bit more aggressively in, in the past, um, because the technology was already there, um, but in higher ed, we tend to take our time. Um, I, I, can, I come from the business side. Uh, on the private side, um, I was as in newspapers and media for a long time. And, and one of the things I did notice that in higher ed, we take our time in everything we do. Our decision-making is a lot more deliberate. Uh, I like the participative approach to our decision-making involving others. Um, but it does take time. And especially if you go into shared governance and you involve shared governance in decision-making. Um, so uh, there, were, there were things on our list that got accelerated uh, during this time. Um, so looking back, that's one of the things I would do is to, when you know something is efficient, find a way to get it accelerated and, be, and uh, get that implemented. 
because um, it's a good decision to make anyways. Um, and um, having uh, what we are going through now has really told us that um, the there are things that should that are efficient should be implemented immediately, uh, and using the technology um, for our efficiency of operation is the key. Um, so that's what I would do. Looking back, is you know, continue to. Uh, consider uh, technology in our operations. And when it makes sense, implement it immediately. In the last couple of months alone, Caton, what's one noticeable way you would say that you have changed the way you lead as a CBO? So um, one of the uh, one of the things that came immediately to me when the college was preparing to move everything online was the middle of March. When, just before our spring break, the college was uh, uh, making decisions to move everything online. And um, among the executive team, um, the academic officer, the student services vice president, I noticed that uh, everyone was struggling with this change. And nobody was stepping up to pull everyone together as a participative committee on how we will transition through this process. Um, so I stepped up um, I, uh, as a CFO. I said, um, everything has uh, an impact uh, to money. Every decision we make, uh, the retention of our students, the transition of what technology we use and how that is trained, everything comes to resources. Um, so. I am leading this Thursday morning pandemic task force. We started two times a week, Monday and Thursday, in the beginning, as we were transitioning through this process. So it it called upon my leadership style that um, uh, that was not shown to others in the past. Um, by bringing everyone together, today we are about 30 people um, on that call. It is a Zoom call uh, and how I uh, create an agenda, how I go through each one contributing um, has uh, definitely tapped into a style of mine that uh, others had not seen and myself have developed into something that I've never done before. Um, so it's a, as a CFO or a chief business officer, it's amazing how your role is called upon. And it's not sometimes just about budget and about finance. Sometimes it's about pulling everything together to the continuity of your operation. Um, and that's what I'm doing with this call is asking everyone to, uh, first to make sure everyone's feeling safe as we, as we transition from on campus to online and everybody had to be offsite. Uh, had happened very quickly. Um, so how um, the different areas of the college pulls together to make that happen, it takes a leadership style to pull everyone together, make them feel safe to discuss what they need, how they're going to make this happen. Even in the areas of academics, uh, CFO can play a role, and I, I, that's what I'm doing. I'm helping my chief administrator of uh, chief academic officer in 
telling us what are their pain points. How do we as a college help them for faculties that need laptops, that need additional training on learning platform like Canvas for our college? Every, nobody was well prepared in do, doing this. So I'm leading that uh, group. I'm making sure they have everything they need, uh, listening to them. Uh, the, it's not easy to all of a sudden be at home and do everything at home. Uh, in some areas of our county, technology is not that great. The Wi-Fi is not that good. So how do we help those team members to overcome that? Um, so uh, we are doing those type of things at the college, and I'm leading that um, discussion and implementation. Uh, again, um, as the chief business officer, you should be prepared um, to be the uh, some of the strength that we have, which is uh, ensuring stability, being the uh, even hand, um, steady hand. Um, this those type of skills that we have become come into focus during these times, and um, us taking a lead role in that creates a sense of comfort and normalcy for other team members of the college. Well, speaking of leadership, Caton, I want to change gears just a little bit and talk about future leaders in the field. How do you think um, current CBOs such as yourself can best prepare or develop the next generation of higher education leaders? And specifically thinking about the desire to diversify the field and again, create leaders who can lead during times of great chaos, such as we're experiencing right now. Sure. So um, coming from uh, the the private side, like I said, I came from the media industry. I spent 20 years there. And um, one of the things that I found, higher ed is so different. The things we do is so different. And for somebody like me coming from outside has a longer learning curve. Um, there are some um, perils. Uh, everyone wants to be treated fairly. Uh, everyone has interest on, um, in, in our case, is serving our students the best. Uh, they want to create the value to their brand, which comes from curriculum and delivery of the curriculum to the satisfaction of the employers who hire students from us and are to how our students feel that what they're learning is helping them. A year ago, uh, my president, uh, Dr. Connolly, asked me, if I ever considered doing a doctorate in educational leadership, it's an EDD that Roman University offers in my state. And uh, I looked into it. Um, I signed up. And now I'm coming to uh, a completion of uh, my spring semester and starting my summer session. So at the end of uh, August will be my one year in this program. One I did find it, this program to be extremely beneficial for uh, uh, not only because I come from a different industry and I'm learning a lot about higher ed, but also how diverse our different de departments are and what it takes to understanding the role every division plays 
in the value of our college. CFO looks at things in a very different framework. This program allows you to broaden that and stop looking at everything from green shades. Um, so it, when you see it in a different view, how an academic officer views things, how a student success officer views things, you learn about the different areas and the value it brings in in creating how our businesses do run. Uh, so it has definitely broadened my skill set, my views on things, the different books we have to read every week, the papers I have to write. When I was in my MBA program, the case studies and the papers we wrote are so different than the one I'm doing in my doctorate program. And that has allowed me to look at things differently and I think has made me a better leader. It'll position me better if an opportunity were to come where I have to lead the college. Um, and just to how I'm doing the task force with the pandemic, um, I'm showing a very different leadership style. A lot of people from different colleges are giving me a feedback on how they're enjoying this task force, and they had never thought of me in the way I'm leading it. They had created a perception of what role CFOs play and how the previous CFOs behaved. Um, so because of this program, this doctorate program I'm in, um, I have been able to showcase different skill sets. And so I think it's important for the uh, chief business officers, if they want to, even if they don't want to be a president of a college, but want to be a better leader, is to continue their higher education, look into a doctorate program, and read different styles of management out there, read different uh, case studies related to our industry and how people have solved problems. It will help them to, look, to create different frameworks of solving problems and not the only way they know from the chief financial officer that they have done in the past. Katen, I wonder if you could address not only our CBO listeners, but also anybody who might be listening who's considering a CBO role as their next career move. What would you say are the top three skills or attributes that are most crucial for CBOs in today's higher ed landscape? Sure. So uh, anyone who, who considers or have been tapped into saying, hey, I uh, would like you to be our next CBO, or I would like you to apply for this position. It's only because they have the technical capabilities. Well, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is they have, have, they have the relevant experience of knowing what our industry is like. Uh, they have the analytical skills to um, ensure the financial statements are accurate. They have the skill sets of internal controls to ensure that the annual audits will be uh, uh, clear of any problems. Um, so they have all those strengths. But the part that makes you a better leader is also your soft skills, your ability to work with other team members who may not understand the numbers the way you do, your ability to explain numbers to somebody who 
is numbers is not their strength. So they don't even know what profit and loss means to them. And they don't even know what return on investment means. Um, so those type of things, your ability to speak clearly and explain it in a way that everyone understands and not in a way that you are teaching them or looking down on them, but in a way that they say, huh, this is important. I'm glad you showed it to me in this framework. Now I know what what that means and why that is important. That skill is key for the chief business officer. Because sometimes the chief business officer comes hides behind the numbers and forces decision making because it's all about cost, it's all about profit, it's all about the money we are losing. Sometimes you have to be able to talk in a different keep in mind you still want a decision made. We have to force important and sensitive decisions to be made. But how do we go about? That is important. And that type of leader makes it a better work environment for everyone. Uh, so the CFO and the chief business officers are adding to the environment where people feel safe to ask questions, feel safe to understand uh, sensitive points of um, what's going on at the college. Um, so that I would say are important for somebody who wants to become a chief business officer. Or many times they have been tapped on the shoulder saying, Hey, uh, I want you to consider that position. So you want to be prepared. You want to be prepared in how of a leader are you going to be? You want to be prepared on how people will view you. You want to be prepared on how people feel safe and comfortable in coming to you and not feel threatened. Um, that's important because many times our position creates a threat, creates an environment of uncomfortable because we ask the questions, we, we look into things that um, makes people uncomfortable. Uh, so it's important how we go about doing our business. This, uh, that type of skill set comes from experience, comes from practice, comes from uh, uh, being on committees, comes on having an open door to everyone, getting involved with other departments, uh, asking the questions, being engaged. Um, that builds that skill set. And continuing education is very key. It's critical. Don't just say, I got my CPA. Don't just say, I got my MBA. And that's it. Continue to learn. Our, that's what our mission is, is continuing education, higher, uh, continuous learning, higher learning, and be part of that learning process. Okay, now the most fun question of the show that everyone loves. Thinking back on your career, Caitlin, would you tell us what you'd consider to be your most fabulous failure and what you learned from it? Fabulous failure? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, there are several. <laughs> um, uh, but um, one of the things that I remember um, when you are implementing, uh, whether it's a change in bookstore or whether it's uh, you putting in a new uh, canteen in your college 
um, one of the things that uh, or you are uh, like the project I was involved with uh, Salem Community College, you are putting in uh, implementing a project called uh, Energy Savings Plan, where you are getting private funding to put in solar panels. And when you're doing those type of things, uh, there were times when I would implement big capital projects that would involve very few people, uh, would be key stakeholders, uh, but that too only at the vice president level. And um, and then just implement it with a project manager, not get into uh, communicating how the how the project is going, engaging um, the college community. That creates a lot of problems. What do I mean by that? When people don't know what, they know that this capital project was approved by your board, you have the money and you are implementing it. But when you don't involve as many stakeholders as you can, or have a regular updates. People think it's not going well. People forget about what that project was all about. And that is, that is a missed uh, opportunity because a capital project is an exciting time for everyone that's involved with the college. Because you're talking about investing in the college for the students, for the administrators, and for others who are engaged with the college community. But because sometimes, like I've done in the past, when you're not communicating well or you didn't use all the tools that were available to you in that communication process, you're you're missing that opportunity of creating excitement with that capital project. Agreed. Once it's implemented and it's up and running, you do all the hoopla of the cutting the ribbon and everybody gets involved. But then it's a, you didn't involve as it was developing. There's so much that you can learn and share as it, it, it is getting implemented. Uh, so I feel that's one of the things that uh, chief business officers who many times are asked upon to um, oversee the capital implementation, should engage and involve as many people as possible, and then have a communication tool that updates on your college website, does an all-college email, sends pictures as it's going so that people feel excited. They can see what's going on. Or if there is a change happening because of change orders or because of uh, disruption in uh, uh, change supply, um, you are involving the right people in making those changes. Just because the college has bestowed upon you the right to manage and implement a capital project doesn't mean it's all up to you to make that decision of changes. You got to go back to the others who are involved. Keep them engaged. When you're making those changes, they are involved in helping you make those changes. Sometimes as chief business officers, we don't know really 
the delivery, what technology would the faculty would be used to or adapt to. Just because you may know the technology better and you get excited, that does not really mean it'll translate into others getting excited. So that's why I would say one of the things I've learned and I do well now is when I do capital project implementation, it's a process of involving as many people as possible, communicating and getting others excited as it gets built. And then when the ribbon cutting does happen, there's a lot more wind behind that excitement. Amazing, Caton. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights and experience with our listeners today. You can find out more about Caton and today's episode by visiting the education section, then click podcasts of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks and Apple Podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Caton and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. Mm-hmm.